Hello, and thank you for tuning into Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Mike Fotenhauer of Osprey Packs. Mike has always had a deep love for camping and hiking with his family. Listen as Mike tells his inspiration behind building one of the top hiking backpack brands today. Hello, and thank you for joining Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Mike Fotenhauer of Osprey Packs. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. Ah, pleased to be here. Okay, so I want to start out with a little bit about your upbringing. So where were you born and what was your childhood like? I was born in Portland, Oregon, 1953, okay. a very quiet city back then. Uh, my father was a Lutheran minister. Um, I'm one of seven children. My father was born in Canada, raised in uh, Alberta and in British Columbia in particular. And so we would often travel up to Canada for summer vacations. And uh, he was an avid outdoorsman, loved fishing, hiking, camping. And I grew to love that too. At first I didn't, I didn't enjoy hiking with him because he, I was always way behind, <laughs> but uh, it grew on me. And uh, I'm always grateful for that opportunity as a child to get out into the total wilderness that Canada was at that time. And Absolutely. Really that. So for the traveling, what did you guys camp out and what, what was that like? Yeah, being a family of seven, uh, we were not wealthy by any means. We always camped. I don't, we rarely ever stayed in any motels. Um, camping was fantastic. My father uh, was not into high tech by any means. He, every evening when we would stop somewhere, he would pull out an ancient torn up canvas tent that was <laughs> held together with bizarre tin cans and things and we would have to put that up sometimes in the rain but it was always fun it was a group effort and uh every place we went to was new and we explored some uh areas that were just opening up they were in canada they were often dynamiting roads and building new avenues into the wilderness so we were often there absolutely so have you always lived in this area for your whole childhood throughout with your parents? I moved uh, in when I was 12, I moved from Portland to Santa Cruz, okay, California. I lived there for 25 years. Um, and then in 1990, I moved to Colorado, Southwest Colorado with my wife and at that time my son and um, subsequently had a, another child, a girl. Um, in Southwest Colorado, we moved our business to this place because we were um, needing to grow it. And Santa Cruz was not favorable conditions for mm. growing a company that was based on manufacturing. Gotcha. Okay, so let's go a little bit progressing. Where was, uh, or did you study at a university? Yes, I studied uh, at the University of California, Santa Cruz. Uh, okay. And at the local junior college, Cabrillo College. I studied uh, initially religious studies and then uh, art. Um, I never finished university. I, um, I just didn't feel like I was learning that much. And I, um, after two or three years, I left to uh, start the company. Okay. And when you started the company, kind of what were your inspirations behind the backpacks. There had to have been something leading up to this. 
I saw that your mom was a sewer. Did she have a lot of inspirations leading up to this? Well, she, she certainly did a lot of home sewing and I would watch yeah. her. She taught me how to sew. Um, initially she put me on the home sewing machine and I would play around with that and, uh, make a few things, but I, I learned how to build my own gear, uh, because I was interested in getting away, um, sometimes from them. Um, I would build my own equipment, whether it was a, um, sleeping bag, a, a down jacket, a rain jacket, a backpack, anything that, um, I, I've always enjoyed making my own gear and because I, I make it myself, I know what it's, how it's built, how well it's built. And it's just a pleasure to use the equipment that you build yourself. So I would often do that. And that finally, when I, having worked for a few other in the, in the restaurant industry and a few other jobs, I, decided I don't want to work for anyone else. I want to work for myself. So it, I figured, what do I know how to do? Well, I know how to make equipment. Yeah. And I uh, started out with a small business in Santa Cruz, a retail where I um, built custom gear for people that came in and to the shop and I would interview them, figure out what they needed and, and build it for them. Okay. What time was that? When was that? That was started in 1974. Okay. At this time, this was not Osprey Pax, right? That was just another business you were just kind of doing at the side? Well, for the first half a year, I believe it was, I couldn't come up with a name. I called it Santa Cruz Recreational Pax for lack of a, of a better name. But uh, in April of 74, it started out as Osprey Pax. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, so your first location was in Santa Cruz and... Where or what was this location? Was it a rented out space? How did you get this location? Well, I uh, I found a, a nice old home right on one of the main streets of Santa Cruz um, that okay. had a retail license, and I could live there too. It was perfect. Oh setup. wow! And yeah, the rent back then was unbelievably low. So it was a perfect opportunity for me. I, I'm sure the conditions are nothing like that anymore, but uh, it allowed me to uh, to really uh, have a, a a life that included such things as taking off for, I took off for eight months and traveled in Europe, bicycle touring and, and wow. hitchhiking and just hanging out, put a sign on my door that I'd be back. And I think I left in February and came back in September or October. And, uh, it was, it worked out great. That's amazing. <laughs> okay. So with this initial start of your company, how was the word being spread? Well, it was all word of mouth. I, okay. I didn't have any budget for advertising. I frankly, I was not interested in advertising being a sole operator or it, that also included my girlfriend at the time. She worked with me and put many hours in there. Um, we could not really pump up the business because we were have doing as much as we possibly could really. For sure. Okay. So at this time, how many employees were you the only employee along with your girlfriend at the time? Yes. Okay. So you designed the prototypes from the design, the drawing itself, and then all the way to the finished product. How did you really know how to do this. There was no YouTube back then. So like, how did you know how to produce a product from start to finish? 
Well, really, school for it. just trial and error. Um, I, I loved that part of, of what I was doing was uh, figuring out how to make something from scratch. How to Absolutely. And if you saw some of my early product, you'd laugh because it was awful. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was really just by my bootstraps learning how to do this and uh, getting input from a few people, but, but trial and error. For sure. Okay, so around 1987, you guys started to do wholesaling. And this is where earlier you described that move to Colorado. What was the reasoning behind this? Uh, well, we, we moved from Santa Cruz to Colorado because at that time in Santa Cruz, we did have, we had started wholesaling. Okay. And that was, yes, that was around, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I'm so old, things get blurry. <laughs> yeah, it was in the, uh, the late 80s. We started a, okay. a factory in Santa Cruz, a very small operation, and we had, I believe, between five and 10 employees, but it was such a struggle to keep them working in a vacation wonderland. Um, For sure. We decided to go look for a place where there was some available skilled labor to grow the company. We received, well, we, I knew that Marmot, uh, another outdoor company had moved from Grand Junction, Colorado to Santa Rosa. California. Okay. I thought, well, I'll go out and see the, check out their operation in Santa Rosa and I mean in Grand Junction and my wife and I went out there and we we didn't really care for that town as much as we had hoped and and the operation that left behind was too big for us so we got a call to come down to southwest Colorado by the economic development people and uh, fell in love with the area and had a wonderful opportunity in finding a uh, a building and a bunch of uh, skilled sewing operators who were available, mostly uh, Navajos. And uh, it just, it was a dream come true in terms of starting an operation in a foreign area and being welcomed. For sure. Okay. At this time, what was your role in the company? If you have all these sewers, were you kind of designating a little bit more time into the design and prototyping more products? Well, I've, I've always done the, the design of the product. I mean, uh, certainly now we have a lot more designers involved, but at that time I was yeah. a sole designer and running production and purchasing and working too many hours. Yeah. But I find <laughs> that when you work for yourself, you, you uh, forgive yourself for abusing yourself with too much work. And it's, it's the pleasure of, controlling what you're doing is makes up for that. Absolutely. Okay. So from the switch up from Santa Cruz to Colorado, it's kind of a much more unpopulated area. So how were the packs getting distributed at this time? Cause before it was word of mouth and probably people would come to your shop. How was it at this time? Well, shortly before we left Santa Cruz, we did hire a sales rep. We were at that point starting wholesale, which was a, a revelation in terms of suddenly you're selling at a wholesale price rather than retail. Yeah. So you're, you're counting on doing quantity. We didn't have that quantity. Uh, the slightest increase in quantity was involved a huge amount of extra labor. So it was a frightening experience to move from 
that from the retail direct realm into wholesaling, but we stuck with it. I was, my wife and I were doing road trips to retailers trying to pick up business. Then we moved to uh, Colorado. We uh, suddenly had some capability to produce more volume and we knew that there was business out there. Uh, we hired more reps and our business took off. Gotcha. Okay. And then you guys eventually moved overseas to up production. When, around what time was this and why did you decide to do this? That was around the turn of the century. Um, okay. Uh, we had to do that. We were one of the last surviving domestic manufacturers of outdoor gear at that time. Okay. I was desperately trying to keep the business local because we had a hundred local people hired. Oh, wow. Who depended on our work. Uh, this was around 1980, uh, 1999, 2000. And, uh, but with all of our competition offshore, we, we couldn't compete. Yeah. I was skeptical about the capabilities of, of offshore manufacturing to build what we were doing. And a friend of mine introduced me to some factories over in, uh, in Korea initially. And I was really surprised at the quality and the price was, was astoundingly low. <laughs> and I took a trip over there. I enjoyed meeting the people and, uh, we decided to do it. We had to lay off a, quite a few people, mostly Navajo, but they, uh, they took it all very well. And, uh, we still have some of those people to this date, um, working in our warranty and repair. And I traveled to Asia and we initially started with three factories in Korea. And within six months to a year, we've moved production to Vietnam. Okay. How was communications at this time? If you were still living in America, and then you just decided to just move your company that way. How was it to communicate your ideas to them? Uh, good, very good question. I don't know how we did it. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, initially in Colorado, we had, um, we really didn't have any internet to speak of in rural Colorado. We, I, we actually went to the library and used fax machines. Oh, wow. Okay. And, uh, and then when we got dial up, that was, a a big improvement. Um, it, it, communication was difficult. It was very frustrating for me because I'm, I like to be involved in the design and manufacturing part of the business. I'm, I'm not crazy about the marketing and the sales and other parts of the business. I'm, I'm more into the manufacturing. So I was traveling to Asia. Oh, every two months I'd go and spend five weeks there. Okay. Four or five weeks. And, uh, that's a lot of time. And, uh, eventually, well, I had to go there to meet with the factories and to explain what I was doing and to give them patterns. Yeah. And, uh, you know, after, after a year or two of that, I recall my wife going this, you can't keep doing this. I said, well, let's move to Vietnam. <laughs> I thought she would, okay. I thought she would laugh that one off, but she said, okay. So we, uh, we, packed up our two kids and uh, my wife and uh, we moved to Vietnam in 2003. Okay. How long was that? That was four years. Oh, wow. So how old were your kids then? 
Uh, my daughter was 11 and my son was 15. Okay. Did, did you enjoy it down there? One of the reasons I did that is because I wanted them to have an experience living in a, a foreign country as well as for my wife and I. And, uh, Absolutely. They, uh, my daughter cried for six months and my son was overjoyed. <laughs> That's great. Okay. So moving on today, Osprey Packs, about how many offices do you guys have? So you guys, 2020, you guys are one of the top outdoor backpack companies. About how many offices outside of the manufacturers do you guys have? Okay. Yeah. We, our headquarters is here in Cortez, Colorado. Okay. Then we have, uh, uh, fulfillment distribution in Ogden, Utah. We have uh, a branch, uh, Osprey Europe, over in Poole in south of England. And we have a, a design development facility in Vietnam in, in Ho Chi Minh. Okay. What would you say is your best way of reaching your customers today? Do you guys sell mainly online, would you say, retail? Where's your top sales? We are predominantly retail. Okay. Uh, we do some online business, direct to consumer, but uh, our majority of our sales are through retail. Gotcha. Okay, so when you are doing retail, where, where and what kind of stores are you looking for? Is it the outdoor type store? Is it in travel agencies? Yeah, it's it's primarily the outdoor shops. Uh, we focus particularly on specialty shops where they understand our product and know how to fit it and how to sell it and, and know how to use it, of course. Uh, we have been finding more recently that uh, a lot of our younger consumers are going to more chain-oriented sporting goods stores. Yeah. And we need to attract those customers, so we've opened up some of the larger chains. That's been controversial to some extent, but it's necessary for us to reach a younger consumer that maybe doesn't shop in specialty outdoor. Absolutely. What would you say separates Osprey from your competitors, your backpacks? What would you say is kind of the, the point that separates you guys? I Well, selfishly, I'd have to say design. Um, yeah. I don't know that everyone else in the company would agree with that, but uh, <laughs> my, from my viewpoint, we spent a lot of time and energy evolving our product, looking mm -hmm. for new materials, new production methods, and focusing on the quality. We have uh, a, quite a number of people in Vietnam that visit the factories every day to make sure that the quality is up to our standards. And uh, we explore a lot. We uh, experiment in design. We're, we're not afraid to try new things. Um, we focus initially on the, making the product fit and comfortable and durable sure. and lightweight. Gotcha. Okay, so I read a little bit about your warranty. You guys celebrated your anniversary a few years ago, and a new warranty came out that – even if they bought or purchased a backpack from many years back, you guys would be willing to replace or repair. That's an amazing, that's separate to me. That separates you guys from the other companies. And if you could kind of explain like your warranty process, because that was very fascinating to me and it's very inspiring to see that. Sure. That's, we call that the almighty guarantee. Um, we believe that uh, seeing how our product works in the field 
and um, being being aware of what's not working is absolutely vital to improving it. For and sure. the more you can uh, entice your customers to give you that information, particularly to send the product back, is highly revealing to us on how we're doing, how we're performing. And sure, it costs more money to do that, but it keeps our customers happy. It, it gives them confidence in what we do. And it, um, it allows us to see the consequences of our work. So we have enjoyed that whole setup and uh, it's fascinating to see what happens with your gear when it gets out in the field. It's not like we just sell it and we forget about it. Absolutely. Okay, so today your backpacks around, like what would you say the ranges are? Are they all focused strictly on the backpacking for camping and hiking or do you have more lifestyle backpacks? Kind of what niches are your packs today? Well, our focus is on um, meeting the needs of our um, general consumers, whether it's uh, hiking, skiing, climbing, whether they're carrying children around, whether they're commuting within the city. We focus on uh, building gear carrying equipment. And that can be somewhat broad. Um, our, our top selling product right now is our POCO kid carrier. And we, I would have to say that's probably the most difficult product that I've worked on in design because you're not only fitting one adult, you're fitting multiple adults who may carry the child plus the child. And then you have all these safety standards. Yeah, for sure. So we, we, we uh, have a fairly broad spectrum of um, product variety, everything from lifestyle to uh, avalanche packs. Gotcha. Okay, if you could share one piece of an advice to an aspiring entrepreneur, what would that be? Based off kind of your morals and what you stand by with your company, what piece of advice would you share? I would say if you enjoy what you're doing, you believe in the in what you're making or building or what have you, don't give up. Yep. Even through hard times, hang in there. Um, it only builds on itself. Uh, Failure is uh, absolutely a part of, of the equation. So don't give up after you fail. That's, that's where you're learning the most. Uh, don't give up. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. And make sure to check out Osprey Packs at ospreypacks.com. Great. Thanks, Cameron. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.